Welcome to Sermons from Bailey Road. You are about to hear a sermon given at Bailey Road Baptist Church. Bailey Road is a small Bible-believing church located in North Jackson, Ohio, and is pastored by Pastor Aaron Smith. We are dedicated to serving the Lord through our people and through our teaching. We hope you are enlightened by today's message, and again, welcome to Bailey Road Baptist Church. My wife and I, we were just kind of going over the list of people in the United Kingdom, and we're like, they're gone, they're gone, they're gone, they're gone. And nobody is filling their places. And so church, listen, if one of your own members says, I'll go, this Bailey Road Baptist Church, this great church with great history, says, well, if you're willing to go in our stead, we'll send you. But if you can't go, you've got to send somebody in your place. If for whatever reason, for whatever decision, for whatever, you can't go, you need to determine that it's your responsibility to send someone in your place. Because we have, missionaries have what you need. You need a global presence. You need souls in South Africa. You need souls in England. You need souls in Spain. You need souls in Cleveland. Many of you are more than happy for someone else to go to Cleveland than you. Now let me show you the biblical example of this, please. And this has been going in my head for months. Let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 30. 1 Samuel chapter 30. Now if you've forgotten my degrees in history, so I'm going to give you a little bit of a historical background here. David was anointed the king of Israel. And one of his very first things that he had to do as king was run for his life. Because Saul was not going to give up the throne. And to make a very long story short, David ends up going to the Philistines for shelter. And he goes to the leaders of Gath. Does anybody remember why David and Gath go together? Goliath. He killed their champion. David's being chased out of Israel and the people of Gath, the king says, we're going to give you a city called Ziklag. Ziklag. And by the way, um, just two years ago, they have um, archaeologists have discovered this city. It's really, really cool. Have a read of it. It's brilliant. But David is, this is towards the end of 1 Samuel. In 2 Samuel, biblically, we see David actually taking the throne. And so... God stirs up discomfort for David. Just as a side note, when discomfort and hatred is being pointed towards you, usually that means God is about to do something and He's trying to prepare you. And when it feels like everything is just going against you, You can find this time and time again in the Bible. 
that God is about to do something in your life that He desperately needs you to feel uncomfortable about. And so the Philistines say, David, get out of here. And you could read at the end of chapter 29, he's like, what did I do? And the answer is, the Philistine leaders, we just don't like you anymore. Get out of here. And so David takes a three-day journey with all of his men, about 600, to go back to Ziklag. He left all of his goods in Ziklag. He left all of his children in Ziklag. His wife, they left everybody. Everybody's wives, children, and uh, everybody. All, all those women and children and stuff is in Ziklag. Now, look at verse 1 in chapter 30. And it came to pass, 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 1. And it came to pass, when David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day, that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag and smitten Ziklag and burned it with fire. Could you imagine David being God's anointed and his men? They're going towards home. Does anybody get nervous when a fire engine happens and you're not home yet and it's going towards the direction of your house? I do. And they saw off in a distance smoke. The Amalekites came to teach David a lesson. He no longer had the protection of the Philistines. So they said he's fair game. He and all his men. They burned the place with fire. Verse 2. And had taken the women captive. Maybe sold for slaves. That was the desire. Or maybe other nefarious reasons. They slew not any, either great or small. I don't know if it means that the women were small and large, but we're going to leave that for later discussion. But carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captive. Could you imagine this victorious army coming in to finally have rest, desperately needed rest, those people that they thought were on their side have now turned against them. Now they just want to go home. I've been on long journeys. And you know what? I just want to go home. I just want to see my wife. I want to be ignored by my kids. Hi, Dad. I want to sit in my chair. David was going home and those mighty men had gone home and it was all gone. And David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. You people that have lost a loved one who you truly love, you understand this. 
You understand what it means to weep and you just can't weep anymore. This word literally in Hebrew means to weep until there's no more tears. Now this might seem insignificant to some of you, but we just lost our family dog on Monday. Last Monday. Monday, correct? And she was just a few days shy of her 10th birthday. And when she died, I mourned. When she died, my wife mourned. When she died, my son mourned. And then we just mourned the whole day and wept and cried. And the next day, I asked my son, I said, Dakota, how are you doing? He said, I, I, it's like I don't have tears anymore. These guys, their families were taken. By who? They don't even know. And they wept. And they wept. And they were brokenhearted. Then in verse 6, and David was greatly distressed. That's an understatement, isn't it? You know why he was distressed? Oh, he was brokenhearted over losing his family. But he was distressed because the people spake of stoning him. Not only does he not have the military connection, but now he's come home and his family's gone, and now his friends want to kill him. Church, David is at one of the lowest points of his whole entire life. Everybody that he seemed that he could get any comfort from, any love from, any encouragement from, have all turned their back on him. Every single human. And the people thought of stoning him because the soul of the people were grieved. Every man for his sons and his daughters. Now, if anybody has a pen, I want you to circle or underline Three words. By the way, we're going to get back to missions in a moment. But there's something here I want us to see. That very first word I want you to see is the word but. He was stressed. He was grieved. Everybody was against him. They wanted to kill him. But then you have the word but. But David encouraged himself in the Lord, his God. Anybody ever fight? Don't raise your hand. Fight with depression? Anxiety? There's a but in your life. There's another side to this. And I'm not going to make light of anything. I'm not going to use trite expressions. I'm going to tell you the truth. It feels like everything is coming down around you. But, it's not over. And it feels like it's over. I personally, England is a very dark country spiritually, and it is a dark country physically. It's raining, it's covered with clouds, 
We're from Florida. We miss seeing the sun. I had a doctor say, listen, Damien, you're going to have to get yourself a sad lamp. Anybody know what a sad lamp is? It's a lamp you put on your side that just makes your face think the sun's still out there, that you haven't lost it. I had to get one of those. My stupid dog broke it. But I assure you, when all hell is breaking loose around you, and it feels like its gates are about to surpass you, I promise you, it's not over. So I want you to circle or underline that word but, but here's another word. I want you to underline a few words down the word himself. But David encouraged himself and the Lord his God. David had to take an active step in this. When you are full of anxiety, when you're full of depression, when you're full of distress, when it seems like everything is going around you, I'm going to describe it for you. It's like you're in a pit and there's no way you could claw yourself out. And people give up. Church, we have to follow David's example. It may not feel like we want to do, but it's truth. David had to encourage himself. David had to think in his head, you know, things have been bad before, but God's been good. It looked like the whole uh, Philistine army was going to overtake us, and there was this giant, but God slew him through me. My brothers were mocking me. Read the story. It's more than just a kid killing a giant. His brothers were mocking him. Don't you have some sheep to take care of, David? He's like, hold on a second. Where's the men? There were other times when he was God's anointed. Could you think about that for a second? God anoints you to be king. What's the natural thing that you feel is going to happen next? You're going to get on the throne. But what happens next is King Saul is throwing spears at you. And David was able to survive not by grabbing one of those spears out of the, the wall and saying, oh, I could do this too. David stayed in character, David stayed being David. And David was, cha he lost his best friend, um, Jonathan. He was promised a wife and it was given to somebody else. Over and over and over again, this great anointed of the Lord, King suffered and suffered and suffered. And he had to remember the goodness of God. Do you think that was easy for David? No. David had clay feet like us. David had to remember who God was. I want you to circle one more word. But David encouraged himself in the Lord. What's that next word? 
his God. Circle that word, his. Oh, do me a favor. Know that he's just not our God. Know that he's your God. Jesus Christ is not just the Savior of the world. He is your Savior. And we have to be personal about this. He had to encourage himself. And he had to say, God, you're my God. I belong to you and you belong to me. And with all the stuff going on, that's what David did. And then he inquired of the Lord, Lord, do we try to find them? Do we try to overtake them? And God said, pursue. That's what he did. Everything was going down, and he, he didn't quit. He encouraged himself, and then he asked God, what's next? And God told him, and then he did it. Now, to make a long story short, verse 16, and I'm just going to read these, and then I'm going to get back to the point. And uh, 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 16, And when he, David, had brought him down, behold, there were spread upon all the earth, eating and drinking and dancing, because all the great spoil that they had taken out of the land of the Philistines and out of the land of David. David uh, was led to where the Amalekites were, and they were having a party. And they were celebrating the victory over God's man. Let me say this. This world is celebrating every time a church closes. This church celebrates every time these, um, these pests of missionaries stop changing people's lives. Why can't you guys just let the South Africans keep their uh, culture? Why do you feel like you have to change them? Ever hear that before? We are strangely comfortable in this country, but let me assure you, the world hates us and hates what we're doing, and they celebrate every time we fail to trust them. And they celebrate every time they think they have a victory. Verse 17, And David smote them from the twilight even unto the evening of the next day. And there escaped not a man among them, save four hundred young men, which rode upon camels and fled. So David is hitting them and hitting them hard. He's getting his wives back. He's getting his sons back. They're getting the daughters back. They're getting their stuff back. And they see in the distance four hundred men leaving on camels. And this is a hard battle. Verse 18, and David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away. And David rescued his two, two wives. Why did David have two wives? Because he was an idiot. That's just a side note. Verse 19, and there was nothing lacking to them, neither small nor great, neither sons nor daughters, neither spoil nor anything that they had taken from them. David recovered all. And David took all the flocks and their herds, which they had drayed before those other cattle and said, this is David's spoil. All right, so he won the war, but 400 got away, right? Verse 21, and David 
came to the 200 men which were so faint that they could not follow David. So there was a battle going on. And it went from twilight to the next evening. That's exhausting. And there were 200 men. I mean, they needed to pursue the other 400. And there were 200 men that they they just couldn't do it. And David says, stay here with the stuff. Protect the women. Protect the children. Stay with the stuff. We're going to continue the battle. When all was said and done, they defeated everyone. Everybody came back. In verse 22, then answered all the wicked men and men of Belial, David's good 400 men that went charging after the other ones, of those that went with David and said, because they went not with us, we will not give them aught of the spoil that we have recovered, save every man can keep his kids and his wife. We don't want them. Verse 23, then said David, you shall not do so, brethren. With that which the Lord has given us, who hath preserved us and delivered us, the company that came against us into our hand, for who will hearken unto you in this matter? But as his part, but as his part is that goeth down to the battle, so shall his part be that tarrieth by the stuff, they shall part alike. Here's the point. There was men tired of battle. They couldn't continue on. There were other people that went out. Then when all was said and done, the men that fought said, hey, we get to keep all the goods. You can have your kids. But hey, we won the battle. And David said, no, that's wicked. The Scripture calls them wicked men, men of Belial, evil men. He said, we couldn't do what we did unless you guys stayed here and make it possible. Church, we can't do what we have to do as missionaries if you don't stay here. We need you. And God sets up a beautiful principle here that is repeated in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. This is an equality. How many souls have in your ministry, take a ballpark figure, come to Christ? Six? <laughs> few hundred. 200? We'll say, just lowball it. 200? Those people that have supported him, let me tell you something. The Lord's going to say, well done, Jeremy. And then the Lord's going to say, well done for supporting him. And there's equal rewards. Church, we're not asking you to take the burden We're willing to share the burden with you. But we both need to do our jobs. We either need to go or we need to send. Those that go, we need to sacrifice. 
those that stay, we need a sacrifice. So church, I want us to look at this as a partnership. There's going to be times that your missionaries just think that the job's too hard. But honestly, and I'm telling you, this goes through our head about the people that have sacrificed in order for us to be there. And we keep on. And when we go before the Lord, these rewards are going to be handed out equally for we all have taken a vital and equal part in this task. Church, I know we're long today, but we've heard some great things out of Cleveland, haven't we? We've heard some amazing things out of Owusu, Suwatu. Could have let it go and nobody would have known. <laughs> we've heard from God's word. What are we going to do? Really, this needs to provoke us to do something. What will you do? How will you prove the sincerity of your love? Let's pray.